Welcome to a special episode of BusinessWise. This is a podcast series for entrepreneurs interested in expanding through learning and applying management system discovered and developed by humanitarian philosopher and administrator, Mr. L. Ron Hubbard. So what we're going to discuss today might change your life in a very dynamic and exciting way. Or maybe you won't. But I want to relay to you some concepts that are perhaps not that easy to put over and the impact of which may not be that obvious, but I'm telling you, in my broad, broad experience in working with thousands of people implementing Hubbard Management, this relatively small adjustment in your approach to your business can make a huge difference in your life and prosperity. I think I've gone over this with you before, but the Hubbard Management System is self-protecting. It is impossible to use it unethically. No one attempting to use the Hubbard Management System for a destructive or evil purpose could ever hope to succeed with it. It is built on the foundation of honesty and ethics and the greatest good for the greatest number, and any attempt to use it otherwise will fail. Uh, Probably the easiest example of this would be uh, to incorporate, let's say, Mr. Hubbard's description of the use of enlightenment in sales. All the techniques and uh, methodologies relating to dissemination that he has covered uh, of how to relay the value of a service or a product It all involves an honest enlightenment. So if you're selling a product or service that is destructive or evil, how are you going to use the tools of enlightenment that you would learn from the Harvard Management System? You would have to enlighten them on how evil or bad the service or product is. Let's say you had a drug that's supposed to, uh, you know, help you, but it makes you suicidal or homicidal. Or maybe it's, you know, pick a more mundane example, a car that you know is gonna break down in two months. So you're gonna enlighten people on the value of this car? Yeah, it's, let me enlighten you on this car. It's gonna break down in two months. You're not gonna be able to use the Harvard Management System to sell such a drug or such an automobile unless the person wants something like that. You know, a car that's gonna break down or a drug that's gonna create havoc. Because the tools that you're being taught in the Harvard Management System are designed to enlighten. This being the case, as I've said before, you always want to review your service and product and ensure that it is an honest and beneficial one. I have traced failures in the use of Harvard management back to just that. You know, you try everything you can think of to get a business to expand the usual policies and direction that you would offer uh, don't result in what you would expect. You'd be surprised. Sometimes you get some sort of result, but it's a But then when you go trace it and you find that it's just a poor product or service and you fix that, voila, the management technology suddenly works like it's supposed to. It works like magic. But um, let's extrapolate this further. How ethical can your business be? Uh, Let's say you reviewed your product, you reviewed your service, and you're confident that what you're marketing and selling is a benefit to the consumer. Great. Hubbard Management is going to work for you. Okay. But why not take it a step further? If you've established that your product or service is going to benefit society, what if your entire enterprise, the goals, its purposes, your mission statement, how about if they all align to create benefit for not just yourselves or their customer, but the entire society? Society, that's the word, right? Let's let's take a look at the definition of society in an English dictionary. Uh, It says here, a highly structured system of human organization for large-scale community living that normally furnishes protection, continuity, security, 
and a national identity for its members. The example here is American society. In Oxford, English, Oxford, English Dictionary, the aggregate of people living together in a more or less ordered community. So, example here, drugs, crime, and other dangers to society. Gives another definition, um, very variation of the original definition. The community of people living in a particular country or region and having shared customs, laws, and organizations, plural noun societies. And the example they give is modern industrial societies. And this comes from the mid-16th century in the sense companionship, friendly association with others, from French societe, from Latin societas, from socius, which means companion. What a nice word, society. By these definitions, we could ask ourselves, how much of a society do we actually have today? How much protection? How much continuity? How much security? How much national identity exists? How much companionship and friendly association exists? Mr. Hubbard has the term real society. What's a real society? So he defines that, quote, one in which the majority are going in some direction toward a desirable goal but it has to be their goal. This rekindles interest, action, and hope. It revitalizes society. That's from an article, 31 January 69, Mr. L. Ron Hubbard. Doesn't this sound like something we could use? Rekindled interest, action, and hope. What creates that? All of us going in the same direction toward a desirable goal. But ask yourself, what is or are the goals for our current society? I live in the United States, but wherever you are, you can be asking yourselves the same question. Are there goals for your current society, and are they well expressed, and are they uniting the majority? To the degree of their absence, I guess you could say we have less of a society then, wouldn't we? Okay, so how does that connect up with you, uh, your business, your prosperity? How is this supposed to help you today with your success and prosperity? I'll tell you how. That's because you, my friend, the employer, the entrepreneur, to a very large extent, you are the one creating society. Mr. Hubbard covers this in the book I've recommended to you often. I'll recommend it to you again today. The Problems of Work is a chapter called Is Work Necessary? And it starts like this, quote from Mr. Hubbard. An understanding of life is necessary to the living of it. Otherwise, life becomes a trap. To so many of us in the workaday world, this trap takes the form of work. Oh, if only we didn't have to work, how many delightful things could we do? If only we had some other way of getting money, travel, vacations, new clothes. What a host of things would be ours if only we didn't have to work. It is almost an educational factor of our society that work, duress of, is the root of our unhappiness. We hear unions and welfare states, as well as individuals, basing all their plea upon a reduction of work, getting rid of work by virtue of reduced hours and the introduction of automatic machinery has become the byword of the mid-20th century. That all from Mr. Hubbard. goes on to say this, yet the most disheartening thing which could happen to most of us would be the loss of all future jobs. To be denied the right to work is to be denied any part of the society in which we live. That's from Mr. Hubbard. All right. Here, Mr. Hubbard is saying, look, if you're denied the opportunity to work, you're actually being denied to be any part of 
society, this beautiful word we just cleared. Okay. Why? Because you're not contributing anything to it. You're not, you're not moving it towards the goals of that society. From Mr. Hubbard, when we look over the background of a criminal, we look at, quote, inability to work, end quote. Somehow, the right to work seems to be bound up in happiness and the zest of living, and demonstrably, the denial of work is bound up with madness and insanity, end quote. All right, so you kick people out of society, you don't let them participate, you can observe this with children. What happens with children that you don't let contribute around the house? They start acting a little nutty, wouldn't you say? <coughs> Any parent who allows their child to help clean up, or even if they do it clumsily, they can observe how much healthier that child is as they grow up, how much more responsible they are. Well, imagine now that denial of a participation, that denial of the ability to work and participate in society, what that could result in if it happened on a broad scale. Imagine how scary is that thought? Imagine if you know, so many people were disenfranchised from this ability to contribute to society, not work. Why, we would have what? Riots. We would have unrest. We would have uh, a society that would hardly fit the definition of society anymore by the definitions we just cleared. Okay, so this work is important. This is how the person contributes to society. Okay, so then he goes on to say this, Mr. Hubbard. Again, this is from uh, Problems Work, same chapter. Quote, speaking politically for a moment, from the standpoint of sanity, man more dearly needs the right to work than he does an endless number of pretended freedoms. Yet, we carefully discourage in our children and in our society those people who make work. And unless work is made, there will be no work to do. Work is not something that springs ready-made into our sight. Work is something that is created. New inventions, new markets, new systems of distribution must be created and brought into existence as times change and old methods, old markets, old systems become inadequate and wear out. Somebody created the jobs we do. When we work, we either do a job created by ourselves or by another. It is not enough to coast along in a job. The job, day by day, has to be made by us, no matter who created it in the first place. I think this sentence kind of sums it up, and it's just a brilliant, brilliant sentence. He says, to work is to participate in the activities of our society. To be refused a part in the activities of our society is to be cast out by it. L. Ron Hubbard. All right, well then, per this, the society we live in is the conglomerate of the products of those occupying it. Isn't that so? And those who contribute evil products to the world, like robbed banks, badly educated children, drugged citizens, defective automobiles, poisonous foods, etc., etc., then that's the society you're going to get, if you want to call it a society. And those who bring beauty, efficiency, health, good food, sound housing, products that enhance our survival. Now, they're making up society too, aren't they? What is society if it's not the grand sum total of the worthwhile, valuable products produced by those who are carrying society? Obviously, that we are here at all. We are carried by the many who are producing worthwhile, valuable products. But then you take away from that those who are creating the destructive, the non-survival ones. That concatenation or conglomerate, that's, that's what we call our society today. When you look at its condition, you can see who is prevailing, right? Now, you, the listeners to this program, 
Okay. You're the ones who are engaged in producing survival products. I'd be willing to bet on that. On that basis, on the basis of building a better world, a better society, you have an additional reason to be successful. A very big reason, an important reason, one that can really motivate you to, to expansion beyond even your imaginings. That, that quote, grind, end quote, you're dealing with every day, your game of building a better business. It's also, look at it this way, it's also a game of building a better society. It, it's not even like I'm asking you to adopt that as a truth. It is the truth. I'm just asking you to adopt that as a perspective or a viewpoint with regards to it, because factually that is what you're doing already. But when, you, when you're aware of that and you incorporate those goals and purposes and the goals and purposes of your company, guess what? You just made that company a more survival company, a more ethical company. I'm not saying your company is super out ethics or something like that. I'm just saying you start giving it a mission that actually aligns with building a better society and improved society, whatever those goals are. Hopefully we can get those expressed somehow. I mean, obviously a lot of people want peace. A lot of people want prosperity. These are goals. So, you know, aligning those things with survival goals for the society, your company takes on a new energy because it brings to you and your team a much higher and more expansive purpose. How big should your company be? As big as you ever dreamed of and probably 10 times bigger than that. Why? Because it's a bigger purpose than just making sure that you have your standard of living. Like now we're building a, a society, a, a, a better world. Because if you are delivering valuable products and services to this world, that's what this world needs. The more of the valuable ones that exist, the less opportunity for the non-survival ones to thrive. You want to stay small? That just creates a vacuum for more bad products, more bad services to fill in. Okay? So you have a responsibility. And that is the responsibility that to... If you are producing value and beauty to the world, you have the responsibility to create that as far and as wide as you can. And not only that, if you are implementing Hubbard Management in your company, you're actually building a little island of sanity, hopefully not that little, but you are actually building a little island of sanity in the midst of this sea of confusion we're calling society today. How big can you make that island? How much order can you bring to society? If you and you and you and you and you, and of course, I, we all bring it off, there are over a thousand following this podcast today, okay? If you are expanding your zone of influence, all of you, we can look forward to the islands becoming the sea. So you have a far greater mission than you thought, don't you? A far greater purpose. You extend that purpose, work that into what you are doing right now, today. You're not only going to observe greater expansion, you're going to observe greater joy for you and all who are participating with you, your employees, your customers. Believe me, goals are critical to your success. And the better, the bigger the goal, you could say the more survival and ethical that goal, just by extrapolation of the data we've covered, the more success you will have with the Harvard Management System. One of the references that covers goals most closely, and we talked about this in What is a Goal Maker? I think an earlier episode is an article from the 9th of January, 1951. It's entitled An Essay on Management. Definitely valuable to read it in its entirety. We're not going to cover much of it, but I'm going to cover one line, a couple of lines of it. This is from Mr. Hubbard. He says, quote, a good goal 
can be attained by poor management. The best management in the world never attained group support in toto, which means in total. The best management in the world never attained group support in toto in the absence of a goal or in the embracing of a poor one, end quote. So look, this is so important that a worthwhile, valuable goal will actually compensate for poor management. I'm not advocating poor management. I'm just saying, I'm just pointing out how important this is. Settle on your goals and make them big ones and make them really ethical ones. The most you can influence for the better in society that you can, the bigger, the better. These goals are going to jet propel you into the future. Of another quote from Mr. Hubbard here, very appropriate. And this is from a lecture, uh, 13 August 1951, a special course in human evaluation, which is, by the way, a fascinating tape series or, or a lecture series. He says here, quote, the only way you can really postulate any kind of a goal at all is imagination. And if you don't postulate high-flown goals, if you don't hit your wagon to a star, it's a cinch. You're not going to get up to the top of the pine tree because it takes that much to get this much. You know, in Alice in Wonderland, it says you have to run just to keep up. You have to run twice as fast if you want to get any place. Alan Hubbard. If the Hubbard management system only works to the degree that one's services and products are ethical, how much more effectively can and will it work if the purpose and goals of your enterprise align to the greater good for humanity? The higher you set your star, the more you will attain in your efforts to reach it. Many have told me that the founders of many of the great companies we see around us today had far greater purposes and goals at their beginning than just making money. I'll give you an example. According to The Economist the magazine, Steve Jobs' mission statement for Apple in 1980 was, quote, to make a contribution to the world by making tools for the mind that advance mankind. How about that for a positive, pro-survival, ethical goal? And look what happened to that company. Now, it's interesting to review the 2018 annual report. Of course, Steve Jobs is no longer with us. But uh, listen to the purpose, the mission statement they offer now. Quote, to bringing the best user experience to its customers through its innovative hardware, software, and services. End quote. That's quite a significant change. Probably the steam that's carrying Apple right now is probably that original purpose statement, that original mission statement and goal. Okay, and to the degree that this new goal uh, replaces it, I I wouldn't say it has the same. I'm not saying it's you know Apple's going to crash tomorrow or anything like that, but it, you know in terms of its creativity, in terms of its expansion, in terms of its uh, attraction of talent and uh, customers and so forth, I, this could not help but influence it. A good friend of mine and wise member, a hiring and team building expert, he pointed a few things out to me. Very interesting. He goes over with his uh, clients that uptone, upstat recruitment prospects will gravitate to businesses with a social purpose. And he references a book by a man named Tim Sanders entitled Save the World at Work, cool title, where per the author, 65% of American consumers say they would change to brands associated with a good cause if price and quality are equal. So there's something to be said for having purposes or, or goals that align with improving humanity. 
He also it goes on to say the same book, 66% of recent college graduates will not work for companies with poor social values. And more than 60 million people are willing to pay a premium for socially and environmentally responsible products. Hmm. So what's the moral of the story? Review carefully your goals. The bigger they are, the more meaningful they are in terms of assisting humanity and building a, quote, real society, as per Mr. Hubbard's definition, which let's go over it one more time, quote, one in which the majority are going in some direction toward a desirable goal. But it has to be their goal. This rekindles interest, action, and hope. It revitalizes society. Now run Hubbard. So the more they contribute to building your goals and your enterprise's goals, contribute to building a real society, you'll bring around you a true group. The kind of people you really want to work with, they start finding you. Okay, and you build a true group seeking not just profits, but something that matters more, improve conditions for everyone. I'm telling you, once you get the hang of this, once you get used to it, I think you will find yourself in a very exciting, beautiful, and exhilarating game. <laughs> not only that, you'll find yourself in company with other entrepreneurs who are like-minded. So you can actually form a group that we can unite with a purpose and goal to build a better world. A group like the WISE Membership or the Local Effective Management Association that you probably have going in your area. Join them. Hook up with them. Find others like you. Let's unite and let's motivate each other to take on high-star, high goals that are going to make a difference. Which crowd would you rather be hanging out with anyway? The guys who can only talk about money? The ones who can only talk about cars and yachts or their problems or what have you? Or those who rally around freedom and the love of truth? Those guys have nice cars too, you know. If you play the game like that, you work like that, connect up with others who like to play the game like that, Perhaps up the line, we can view the sea of sanity and the boundless beauty of a true civilization. It is not something created by some great architect sitting in an ivory tower somewhere. It is something created by the co-action of thee and me. So let's, uh, let's get some big and worthwhile goals and let's get very, very, very busy accomplishing them. All right, that's it for today. Um, love your feedback on this one in particular like to know what you got out of it, write me back. Info at wiseeastus.org. Let me know your thoughts. Uh, this was a bit of an unusual episode, but I felt a very important one. Today, Monday the 2nd. So please uh, write me back, give me your thoughts, and I will talk to you next week. Thank you very much for listening.